and welcome to another amazing Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And Billy Holiday. Hello there. And uh, this week we're going to look at the classic, or at least early, Nintendo game Rygar. But before we go into that, just want to point out that Jeremy is actually recording out of a hotel this week uh, due to time constraints with the 4th of July coming up. So while his audio may sound a little weird, we did some tests, I think it's going to sound all right. Uh, but this will not be the new norm. So Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Uh, well, I, I actually uh, put Bloodstain to bed. Uh, I finished that one. I finally uh, got to the 100% map completion point. Mm. And uh, that was, uh, that's, that's a great game. You know, I can sit here and, and talk to, to you about it for like an hour or two, but but I'm not. Uh, you know, it, it's not quite up to maybe like the highs that Symphony of the Night, Symphony, Symphony of the Night got to. Uh, but I think it is it is just as, as epic in scale um, and the, just all the stuff you can you do in it. Uh, it's as good as that, if not more so. Um, there's really the, the only thing that, I, that really bothered me throughout the entire game was the progression. And, uh, I mean, it is very much just like every other Metroidvania you've ever played, uh, where you find places in the castle you can't get to, you beat a boss, and then you go, you, you get the item, and then you can access that portion of the castle. Rinse and repeat until you beat the game. Well, this game does that for maybe 80 to 80 to 90% of the game. Then for the other, there's a couple of areas in the game where it just, um, it's it's a little bit it doesn't do that and it really expects you to to do some pretty random things to maybe get get past these parts uh one very early in the game is actually you can't access a um a certain uh, section of the map you get to and it's uh, it's very much just a hard block it isn't like uh, it doesn't give you any hints well it sort of does but it's it's very much in the vein of like what you would expect like i need an item to get past this point it's not that turns out you actually have to talk to a very specific person that you may not have even like met yet. And um, even if you have, he might, he might not say the thing that you need to actually access that point because literally all it is, is just in a dialogue that he says. And uh, even when you first meet him, he probably won't say that. And the only way I figured it out was by accident leaving the room. And then I just forgot I wanted to buy something else from him, went back and then he said, oh, you know, you're trying to access this part of the castle. Here, here's what you need. I was like, well, shit, I didn't know that. Like this, it was just completely random that I figured that out. And then later on in the game, uh, there's actually a section where you need to find an item from just a very basic enemy that you don't have to do at any point during the rest of the game. So you need to actually know which enemy you need to farm the item from, wait for that to drop. And then you can get, keep going. So, I mean, those two sections are really just something that, I mean, I had to look up the second one. And like I said, the first one I just figured out by accident. But those are definitely brick walls that you would run into if you're just expecting the game to continue the progression of what you, you would expect it to do. Um, but, I mean, that's really my only complaint with it. Besides that, I mean, this, this is the Symphony of the Night sequel that I've been waiting years for. It seems very positively reviewed. The only complaints I've seen on it have been specifically tied to the Switch port, which apparently is less than stellar. And everyone says, if you're going to try it on Switch, wait for a few more patches. But I think I'll just play it on PS4. Yeah, that's what I played it on. And it was, I didn't have it crash or anything like that. It's a little rough around the edges here and there, but I, I never encountered any bugs or any lockups or anything like that. So 
it seemed fine for me and I, I beat it in around like 16 hours at 100%. So it's, there's a lot of game there. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to get to it. I, I've made some poor financial decisions as of late where I just don't mm. have the money to buy another game. Uh, I did buy something that I probably shouldn't have bought, but generally I've, I haven't bought anything new. So I've been trying to find a game that I maybe didn't put a lot of time into and, and, you know, go back to it. I have a bunch of stuff I'm at the end of, or I, you know, I, I could put more time into. But actually, my five year old has gotten into uh, pretty strongly the Toe Jam and Earl remake. So we've been playing a lot of that on the Switch. Uh, he's, it's actually fun to watch him trying to figure out how the game actually works. Because at first, it was just like him running around, and we'd find the exit, and I would say, okay, now you stay in the elevator, and I'll go do all the things we need to do to finish the level and, and come back. But now he's like, no, no, you have to talk to the carrot guy. No, no, you got to go find the scientist. He'll tell you what the package is. Like, it's like, all right, he's figuring this out. So I've actually really enjoyed playing that two-player. And again, I, I wish it was three uh, in the same room, not three multiplayer mm. online. But other than mm. that, uh, that's really growing on me. That's a game, that when I first got it, I was like, yeah, this was fun, and then I'll never play it again. But but I've really gone back to that pretty strong. Uh, so now I guess I'll move back on to Overcooked, uh, so we hate each other again. <laughs> but but still, it, I'm having a good time playing Toji Mineral, and I, I do like watching him figure stuff out, so that's kind of cool. But, uh, Billy, what have you been playing since our last show? Well, well, I was hoping to tell you I was playing a little bit of that, uh, that Bloodstained also, but yeah, I was so excited about I'm going back out on the road soon. Uh, I'm going to be away from home a lot. I'm trying to stack up on Switch titles, and that was that was going to be one of them. But it's it's not good apparently. So I am I'm going to give it just a little bit longer because I really do want to play through this thing. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Uh, I am prepared to pick it up on the PS4 if I don't hear any news uh, in the very near future. Uh, other than that, I just that, that Stardew Valley still has right hold of me and. Business is booming on the farm. It's summertime now. Uh, I am now able to make both jam and wine at the farm. I have machines for both of that. I have chickens. I have ducks. I now have sheep. I have pigs also. Uh, everything. Uh, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm having still so much fun with that game, and it's amazing the number of hours. I've put into it, and I'm still encountering. I mean, it seems like in a game like that, you're kind of doing a lot of just mundane, routine uh, things over and over again, which you are, which you are. I mean, first hour or so in-game time is dedicated to doing the same shit. But after that, I, I'm still finding like a ton of new stuff in there. And apparently there are other things that will open up as, a, as the years go on in that game. Uh, so I've been playing that a ton. Uh, I, I took extra time to play through today's game. Uh, it is, uh, I guess we'll talk about that one shortly. Other than that, I've just, I've been just kind of tooling around on there, just playing a little bit of this and that. Um, nothing else has really, really stuck with me, but I did in the same vein as you, where you're wanting something where a few people would sit down and play. I picked up on the, on the switch, uh, Nippon Marathon. And I, I bought this just based solely on, I was looking for kind of a party game for three to four folks. And this just seems completely ridiculous. If you recall the, the show, I think it was what most extreme elimination challenge from years ago, or I guess Wipeout's more modern day one. Uh, it's, it's one of those games that I assume is intentionally made bad. The control is intentionally made uh, challenging. And you're trying to direct people through these kind of wacky obstacle course things. And 
that's been a real hit. That is like the biggest multiplayer hit I have played in quite some time around the house. Uh, but that's about it. Playing a little bit of that during the day in a group and just sitting down, going to bed at night with the warm glow of that switch in Stardew Valley. Well, I mean, you definitely are going to want to pick up Bloodstained, but thankfully yes. you had another amazing Metroidvania to play through for this week's game, Rygar mm -hmm. for the Nintendo. <laughs> tell you this is a title that I, and i think we'll talk about it as we go on I, whether we we liked it or not you, i think you have to admit that this one really got slept on pretty hard uh i just i always remember having this game i don't know if this was one of my purchases or uh or uh, my father picked this one up i just remember this game when i when i think back to the nes and the, the you know the lib game library i had there even when i just had a handful of games this one was it, it always seemed like it was in it always kind of in the rotation uh play so i had played through this one a number of times uh growing up not not always necessarily to the end um we will talk about that as we go um but yeah this is one that i came away from it and, and I had two distinct memories. One was the soundtrack to this one. Uh, I remember the music of this one being exceptional. And two is that I always remember the main weapon from this game as being uh, Captain America's shield on a string of sorts, like an oversized yo-yo. Uh, but yeah, I just I, I was excited when this one came up. But I haven't played it in years. And you always want to jump back in, uh, sometimes carefully. And, and see if a game holds up. I had Rygar when it was new. Uh, well, to me, when it was new. Again, I didn't get a Nintendo until about 1988. So this is one of the first games I had picked up for some reason. Uh, it it always appealed to me. Again, the weapon. You know, you mentioned that it's, it's basically Captain America's shield on a string. It's called the Disc Armor. It's essentially mm -hmm. a giant yo-yo with spikes all around it. Yeah, the same reason that I like the movie Crawl. It's a terrible movie, but I love the, <laughs> the I love the glaive, the five-bladed glaive. If you have a cool it's, weapon that it, looks like it has spikes on it, I'm in. I'm 100% in. It's all it takes. And this game, 100%, I mean, it is it is a guy that has a, a, a giant yo-yo that's it's got blades all over it, and he throws it at people. So how would you not like that? But it's a great weapon uh, in this game. Uh, you can only shoot it in one direction, either you know the direction you're facing. You can't shoot it up or diagonal or anything like that. It's just pretty much a straightforward you know, straight shot, a lot like another amazing Nintendo game, the Yo-Yo from Goonies 2. So how can it be a bad weapon? Both those games, mm. outstanding. Mm. I just want to add, nothing related to the game, but the fucking quicksand scene from Crawl fucking gave me nightmares as a child. And I'm, I think if I watched it to this day, it probably still would. There's a few scenes in there that are a, a lot creepier in memory than in real life. Watch it now. The effects are terrible. Uh, I still like it, though, even though it's a pretty cheesy movie. Jeremy, you played this before? Yeah, I actually played it when I was a kid, um, though I didn't have any idea what the hell I was supposed to do. I was very young uh, when I first played this at my cousin's house. Um, he he had it along with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> and 
two two games that I had no clue what I was doing, but I definitely had more fun actually playing Rygar because of that weapon. I mean, that is a very satisfying video game weapon. Uh, it, it's just very quick. It, you know, it reacts as soon as you press the button. You can shoot mm-hmm. it all over the damn place, and it's just it's it's a fun weapon. This isn't something you got from a lot of games. Then it's more of a modern thing. It feels like it has. Uh, like a weight to it. It feels like it has a heft to it and like an impact when you hit the enemy with it. Yeah, it's just, it's just super satisfying. But um, as a kid, when I first played it back then, uh, like I said, I you know I just played around with it for a while. I, it's not like linear stages or anything. If you're just kind of walking around and you don't know where to go, um, I, I never got very far as a kid. Later on, I, I would play it and actually get you know beat it uh, several times growing up. But back then... This was this was just a mystery to me. I had no clue how to yeah. advance or or really do anything as far as like finding bosses and continuing and getting through the game. Well, and this is a game that a hundred percent you wanted the manual for. There's a mm. lot of things in this game that are explained very very poorly in the game, and not a whole lot better in the manual in some cases. But without it, there's a lot that you have no idea about. Um, this was actually a game that I remember not as much because of the. The manual, because I didn't have the manual, but it's in the official Nintendo Player's Guide with like a six-page spread. Shows you where to go, what to do. It actually takes you all the way to the end of the game. Uh, I didn't realize at the time, the actual manual more or less does too. It kind of tells you exactly what you're supposed to do. It gives you a little bit of a hint uh, of of how to to get to the last area, which is kind of a a secret in the game. Uh, But the, the Nintendo Player's Guide just said flat out, here's what you do. Here's where you go, get to the end. Here's what the last boss looks like. Like, it spells it all out for you. And even with that, it was still pretty cryptic at times to get from the start of the game to the end of the game. Rygar came out in 1987 for the NES. It was by Tecmo. Uh, it's originally an arcade game. I don't know if any of you have ever played the Rygar arcade game. Uh, it is pretty much the first level of this game, and then nothing else about it is the same in any way, shape, or form. It is mm-hmm. not an open-world map. You do not have stats you do not get all these other items that do anything you get items for score but it's it's a lot more like a a rostan or even like altered beast it's something where it's just a side-scrolling action game now you are the same character and you do have the cool disc armor and Mm -hmm. again the first level of this game looks a lot like the arcade but after that all similarities go away uh, this game came out the next year on Nintendo, and, and they realized, hey, you know what? We could do a lot more with this character. Uh, Metroid had just come out uh, a year prior in Japan, so they had kind of that same level design idea where you can technically go anywhere, but if you don't have certain items, you won't be able to jump high enough in, in Metroid's mm-hmm. case or you know roll into a ball. In, in this game, it's a little more uh, straightforward as to why you can't go places, but it's the same idea. The, the map is all there, and once you get all the items you find in parts of the map, it opens up other parts of this open-world map that you can kind of go back to the very beginning if you feel like. You can go all the way close to the end as you can. Uh, a lot of backtracking if you want to, but this is much more condensed than Metroid. There's not as much backtracking at all, and you don't need to keep going back to old areas to look for hidden things. You've pretty much found everything the first time through. If you can get to that area... Uh, it means you have the right item to reach it, and there's no reason to go back. Yeah, and that's one thing that uh, that I was dreading. I remember there being so much backtracking uh, when I used to play this. Turns out I just didn't know what I was doing, and and I think I was giving myself a a needless amount of work. Um, yeah, when you sit down there and you just kind of play through, and and you kind of recall the order of where you're supposed to go, uh, it, it's it's a pretty smooth playthrough, and it's not as long a game as I recall because I'm I'm just so used to when I was a kid playing through and just being lost for hours at a time. 
you know, not knowing uh, where to go or getting somewhere and being stuck. And yeah, this one does make it quite obvious. I mean, you, you'll see uh, a, a gap and you can't get across to it, but here are two logs and, and you're looking at it. It's like, I've got to be able to do something with this. Uh, you'll see several spots like that. And, and it, it's satisfying as you get those weapons and you're able to uh, traverse over to new, new areas you weren't able to before. And great move, not making this like the arcade game. I am not a fan of the arcade version of this. I think this is one of the, one of the few times that the NES port is just, in, except, of course, in graphics and whatnot, is just incredibly superior to to his arcade counterpart uh, and just that arcade game it just felt like one big ass level uh there there was no exploration and that's really what makes this game that's what sets it apart uh from just being a, a side scrolling you know here's a guy with a large weapon just continually killing enemies it adds uh, a big degree to it being able to to explore and this one does do it and as much as i love metroid uh, you know, my times playing through that word, there was a lot of frustration. And I think this one does it. Somehow manages to do it with, with minimal frustration throughout. And you mentioned the player's guide. That was how I eventually got through it myself. Because mm. otherwise, I there was, you know, I had no clue. I didn't have the instructions or anything like that. And even when I rented it, of course, it didn't have any instructions with it because someone had already tossed them in the to- toilet or something. But yeah, eventually when I did finally figure out what i needed to do uh it, it yes it's a it's a very fun game and it is a pretty smooth playthrough but there's a pretty big problem with that in so much that they made this very kind of ex, you know you you explore and get new stuff you can level up to a degree um but there's no save feature there's no mm-hmm. pen there's mm. no and, you know, now we can actually, you know, if you emulate it, like what we did, and you can just use save states to get through it. But on the original NES game, there is no way to save the game. They just expect you to play through the entire thing all at once. And that's, that's not, <laughs> that's <laughs> not very easy. No, because I mean, this is something you can get this in, in less than an hour, if you know what you're doing. But I mean, so many times when I was a kid, the game ended because fuck, it's bedtime. I've been playing this thing like three hours. And I, I think I told you guys this was the first game, first official game where I, I I was nervous as shit doing it. I left the Nintendo on all night. You know, I turned the TV off. I, I, I left it on and and every now and then I would turn over in the bed and look over just to make sure the make sure the red light was still on. Um oh, and it was a nail biter because I had to go all day through school also. Uh, I came back. Nintendo was, was a little bit on the warm side, and I, and I, I started to panic. Uh, had insult to injury. I didn't even finish it on that playthrough. We went into night two, and, and I finally cut it off. But but yeah, I just it's it's odd, especially in a game like this where they know uh, new players are going to be stumbling around. The no save feature, no password. That is a that's a hard one to overlook. Uh, obviously for us playing through and with the technology we have now, like you're saying, it's, it's no big deal. But yeah, I, I imagine that had to turn away a lot of people who who just rented this one and probably really didn't get too far on it. Well, God, I had to do that with, with Super Mario Brothers 3. I had the <laughs> on. We, me and my cousin had got to the very last world, left that fucker on while we went to Walmart. <laughs> and 
as soon as we got back, my my grandma had actually switched it off because she uh-huh. said it on. And so she thought we by mistake we had left it on, and so she turned it off for us. And that was the most depressing day. I didn't have a lot of luck with the uh, save keep the Nintendo on overnight thing. I, I think that it, every time I'd wake up and it was frozen, or someone would have turned it off, or we had a power outage. I don't think I ever made that work. Uh, but that was always a very dangerous move. This game, like you said, it does not have any saves or passwords, and you only have one life. So when you're first playing the game, you die, and it says game over, and it goes back to the title screen. And nothing anywhere says this, but if you push start, well, you'll start right back at the, at the beginning of the last area you were at. Uh, right. with, with, you know, any items you had at that point. It, it does do kind of a quick save. Uh, and that's nice to know. Uh, if I guess if you only got di- you know died a bunch on the first area, you might not realize what's happening and get frustrated that there's no continues. But there are, in fact, unlimited continues. But no way to long-term save your you know your progress so yeah you've got to get through this in one sitting and it isn't a very long game you know you just said i think it's an hour to two hours my playthrough this time was two hours and that was with some meandering um Mm -hmm. you know but i i've played this enough i know where to go i generally remember the game the the one thing i forgot was how to use one of the items and then it's obvious i'm just an idiot it wasn't it wasn't a matter of it not being that easy to use i just wasn't thinking So in this game, you are Rygar, the legendary hero brought back from death to save the world of Al Ghul from the kingdom of evil, led by their cruel king, Lygar. Uh, in order to do this, you must travel through these maps and find the five hidden Endora gods who are actually captured, uh, say, beat the boss that's protecting them, and then they will give you one of the five sacred treasures of Al Ghul. Once you have all the treasures, you can then go and, and find Lygar's hidden keep and take him on to save save the world. It is not an exciting story, but it does explain exactly what you're supposed to do. So as you're going through the levels, the first level is a good example of just kind of how half of this game, or a little over half of this game, is set up. It's a tr- you know, We mentioned Metroid, a lot like Metroid. It's a kind of a traditional side-scroller. They don't have any uh, completely vertical sections like Metroid has levels that just go up and down the whole way through. But this does have multiple planes to most levels. So if you are on one level and you can see a rope ladder, you, or a rope that you can climb like a ladder, it lets you go up to the next level and you'll be on, you know, a tree branch or part of a tower. You know, all these things are that'll help you make it so that there are multiple dimensions. However, if you fall from that second screen, you immediately die as if it was just a, a pit of spikes or anything else. So you've always got to go up and down screens with the ropes that it gives you or a special tool that lets you climb anywhere where you might be able to throw a grappling hook that you find later. Um, Rygar can only do a couple things because he's, you know, a Nintendo controller has two buttons. You can shoot the disc armor that we talked about and you can jump. Uh, the jump in this game is not bad. You can control it when you're in the air. It's a little bit floaty. Unfortunately, there is knockback, which is absolutely irritating in any game where a fall will instantly kill you. But it's not it's not Castlevania bad, but it's it is still pretty irritating. And there are some jumps that uh, that are a little precarious when that is a factor and enemies are flying at you. Uh, this game has a ridiculous amount of slowdown. If and a lot of people may not remember that the Nintendo and, and even the Super Nintendo and Genesis had fair amounts of slowdown for some of their games, but this may have the most slowdown of any NES game we've covered. <laughs> if there are five or six enemies on screen, you are just crawling. The music slows down. I mean, everything goes to a crawl. 
Uh, even on an emulator, it's pretty great. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing it on the NES Classic that definitely didn't have a bunch of games added to it, and it, it still has ridiculous amounts of slowdown, even on a, a current system that can play it. The other thing you can do, uh, since you can jump, is if you land on most enemies, it will stun them for a second. You don't hurt them like Mario. You can't jump on enemies to kill them, but it does stun them for a moment and allows you to kind of keep jumping on them, which in some ways helps you get through some areas. But I always found it was a little more awkward to use than helpful. I, I would have rather just, I don't know, gotten hurt and not jumped on people, but instead it made it so I would bounce and like sometimes fall off a cliff afterwards. Uh, not the biggest fan of the jump on enemy mechanic here. No, I mean, I, I really didn't. I didn't see a lot of use to it. I didn't see myself using it that much. Uh, sure, I mean it has its place, and it, it's nice that you can. It's, I mean, it's nice that you can do that and not take take damage in the process. Uh, it just it, it stretches it out a little bit unnecessarily when you when you do the jump on them, jump off, then attack. Um, especially especially if you are taking on a lot of enemies or if you're kind of grinding through them. Uh, and shit that was brand new to me this time was the uh because i hadn't played it in years and years and when you're a kid you don't really think of the finer points of, of leveling up and and kind of the empowering up your character and things like that uh, by grinding through a game there can be if you want to on this one uh, a small bit of grinding to it on your menu you have uh, and i had no clue what these were until this playthrough uh tone and last and, and your tone is your strength, and it increases uh, with with not all the enemies you defeat. Uh, I think you can't really hang around that first area and, and build yourself up to the maximum, which is 4,000-something. Uh, but yeah, but enemies you defeat, subsequent enemies, and especially the more difficult ones, uh, your tone uh, increases your damage. And last, uh, I believe, is defense. I think you take a little less damage with the hits you take. And and then there's there are other parts. There are mind, which gives you three, not really spells, but more of abilities. Uh, a couple of those are, are crucial, especially one for the last boss that we'll get to. Uh, I just, I really didn't look into that system too much and, and that's probably why i had such a hard fucking time playing through as a kid i was probably maintaining just a, a a power level on on level or below that of the enemy so to go through this time and actually take you know the extra extra few minutes here and there to kind of grind on some enemies there's some spots where there's a uh in particular is that that robot enemy you fight later on uh, and, and there's one right by a door and yes, this is a game where if you go in a door and go out, the enemy is back again. Uh, and, and I was able to rack it up just doing that for a few minutes. And so, so I just remember playing through this one and, and being able to take enemies down a lot easier. I wasn't having to rely on just fucking wailing. There's some enemies on here. You just have to fucking wail on. And it seems like it never ends. Uh but yeah, I, it was all about increasing that, that tone and that last. And that is something that if I wasn't kind of playing through and, and giving it a real solid look for the podcast, I, I probably would have just ignored that again. You know, you were talking about the slowdown. And as a kid, I wasn't really, you know, paying attention to the, the technical aspects of how mm -hmm. an NES game was running. I was just excited to be playing an NES game. But this playing it through this time, that was actually the thing that that really kind of bothered me because, I mean, it's it's kind of almost like Castlevania for Game Boy, where where it just seems like 
running in, you know, you've got a slow motion controller and it's just always on. Uh, and this one, it seemed like it just about every, any time there was more than two things on the screen, uh, the thing would just start to slow down. And, and that, that definitely got to me after a while because I didn't remember it running that bad back when I played it as a kid. But for some reason this time, it, it was really getting to me. That's apparently a thing. I, I just, there's so many fucking games I try to play now. And, and you didn't, like you said, you don't care about the slowdown. I mean, you're so caught up in the fact that you're still, you know, especially the early NES days. So being my first major console I played on, you're still just so fucking captivated by the fact that you're playing this at home. Uh, I don't know. I'm not able to handle slowdown that well my damn self nowadays. And I will say this probably takes the cake. I, I was sitting here thinking while you're talking about an NES game with a little more slow, more slowdown. And I mean, I'd put this one right up there. The only other game, conveniently also by Tecmo, that had even remotely this amount of slowdown was Star Force. I had Star Force as well, and that's a top-down shooter, just a classic space shooter, and it would get to levels where it would. It felt like you had a slow-mo controller without even trying, uh, which is actually helpful in a shooter like that, but it still didn't make it very fun to play. Um, yeah, this game had definitely a lot of slowdown, and, and the screen that you're talking about, Billy, that gave you all your stats was a mystery to me uh, until yeah. this playthrough necessarily. I, I, I understood the spells you mentioned. We'll get into those. I think last is actually not your defensive power. I think as no. last hits a certain power, that's how you earn your extra hit points. You start with three hit point dots at the top of the screen. You can get up to 12. Oh. That only increased as you're killing enemies, and I think it's literally just like different last, different points when you hit your last meter, which again increases as your, your tone meter does as you kill enemies. Uh, you know, it just gives you more hit points. Because otherwise, it didn't seem like things were doing more or less damage to me. But mm, at the beginning, mm. when you only have three hit points, and some stuff does a full hit point of damage, some stuff does a half, it doesn't yeah. take long to die. That makes sense. That makes sense. But I, so that's good to know. But damn, I, I don't know how I played this game as much as I did and, and didn't realize. It's one of those things you fucking kicked yourself. Uh, uh, realizing that you, you probably went through this game doing about a, a fourth of the damage that you could have on these enemies and and just remembering how long some of these fights were when i was a kid on this game and that i probably could have remedied that if i had uh if I, I wasn't much for cracking open is this in the manual does it explain it is this something another side effect of me just kind of tossing my manuals to the side and getting straight to the game it, it does it doesn't again it doesn't explicitly say that it gives you hit points that's something i just kind of guessed at based on when you yeah. receive hit points yeah. in this game um but yeah, it says it increases your power and your defense. I always thought that was two sides of the same meter. Like as your tone hits whatever your last meter is, you get up a point of 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 your hit points, or it gives you like a different strength mm. level or whatever. I had no idea what it was. The other thing I was confused on forever is you mentioned the mind that's listed. Uh, mind has seven little bars that show up under mind, but there's nothing there at first. The only way you get mind points, which you do use to do three different, we'll call them spells, uh, three different spells, is as you kill enemies, they randomly will drop items they either drop mm -hmm. a, a little health jar which gives you back a point of health which is self-explanatory but the other thing they drop are these stars they're either one star or two stars and when you pick them up you get that number in your mind again it caps at seven so if you already have seven mind points sitting there you can't get any more and they don't come that often but then sometimes you'll get them like three in a row uh, yeah. it, it, it seems to be a very small number randomizer of whether or not you get mind points and it might even be different depending on the enemy type you fought because i had I had better luck with specific enemies, but that could completely be just randomness. I, I can't tell. I didn't do enough of a, st of, a, of a stay in each place to determine whether or not that's a, a real 
a real value. But when you pick up these mind pieces, they sit there in your in your inventory you can see on the screen. And then you have three powers listed on, on the, the other side of, of the inventory screen. Power up, attack and assail, which is one one power, and recover. It doesn't tell you how many points these things cost. That is in the manual. Um, power up is three points of mine. So if you use it, you lose three points of mine until you find three more stars. Power up you can use one time every life. Uh, once you die and you have to continue, you lose the effects of power up, but you don't have to do it every screen. It doesn't have a time mm-hmm. sensitivity. It's You have it from when you choose use this power to when you die. So you should pretty much always get power up. It lets your weapon go a little bit faster and a tiny bit further, which seems like it's not that useful, but against some of the bosses, it's extremely useful to have that extra half centimeter of uh, of, of distance on that the disc armor because there are some, some bosses that have arms that flail around that you have to get past to hit them in their center and if you don't have the disc armor powered up you're probably going to be taking damage while you do that fight so power up's an easy one it's only three mind points you can get three stars pretty quickly uh, attack and assail it again without the book i don't know how you'd ever figure out exactly what it does but it gives you essentially 10 attacks where when you use your attack button instead of shooting the disc armor the screen flashes you have to use the 10 in a row so it's not like you can save these but your next 10 attacks will hurt everything on screen regardless of where they are uh, that's attack and assail. And then for all your points in mind, if you use all seven, you get a recoverability, which say, you know, regens all your health. Self-explanatory why you'd need it, but if you're using it, you've already used up all your other magic points. you got to start again. And I think the one you were referring to earlier that it's more helpful on some of the bosses is attack and assail. Uh, yeah. The number, the, the second ability. Again. So you want five mind power pretty much in your inventory at all times because when you do get to one of those bosses or if you do get to a tougher screen... And if you do lose, you end up going back to the beginning of the area you were at with no mind points, with no power-ups you've already gotten, and with three points out of the however many you've earned, the rest you have to find Phillips for. It makes it very difficult, but not impossible, to start at a tough area. But you really want to save those for when you need them. And the other thing that's on that inventory screen is it has spots open for seven different items uh, that you'll get from the Endora gods or from the hermits that live in these doors you find all over the map. Uh, much like Castlevania 2, even though that came out later. Uh, but when you go into these these huts, these old men will give you tips on what to do. And a lot of the time they are, unlike Castlevania 2, these are actually useful hints. Uh, but they'll say things like, you know, go through Garlaws to get through the next temple or whatever it tells you. Now, again... You wouldn't know the names of these places until you've played them for a while, but the manual actually starts. Before it even gives you the introduction to the character, before it gives you an introduction of how to play, it gives you a map of the game and names everything. So another time where, with the manual, this is a much more simple game to get through. It even shows you um, that the, the first area you go through is a standard side-scrolling you know, platform level, and then you get to what the, the second half of the game is like, which is these top-down levels. They still play the same. You have the same abilities. You shoot the disc armor forward or left and right, wherever you're pointing. And he can jump, which has some arguable use uh, in those screens. But that is kind of the Garlaws is that area. And that is more or less the hub world that connects all the other action worlds together, where in each of those you find a boss. The boss is holding one of the gods, and the gods will give you the items. Um, This is actually a game, which is one of the first we've had, where the bosses are fairly non-remarkable. Like, they're all different, but they're all extremely simple and straightforward. They don't take very many hits. Uh, other than the last boss, I don't think any of them are difficult at all. They're almost just there to be bought, you know, to just say there's at least something guarding these characters. Because they are not interesting or hard or, or really worth discussing in detail. I mean, they're, that, that's one of the few games where the bosses are completely, uh, I mean, the least interesting part of the game. 
Yeah, it's it's all about the journey to get to them. It's just you talk about slow motion. Uh, these bosses seem like they're perpetually in slow motion. Uh, they, it's oh, yeah, and it's it's they're not impressive looking to say the least. It's not like they're giant sprites to take up half the screen. It's it's they're there, and there's not a lot of imagination behind them. It's it's probably the weakest part of of the game really is that the boss fights are so so underwhelming and i mean the usually the strategy is just walk in and wail on them they will shoot in a, a very predictable pattern that's easy to dodge get back in and get in a hit rinse and repeat and and yeah i think mean, this is for me probably probably the low point of the game especially since some you know the regular enemies out there can be a challenge uh, and then you get to these boss fights, and eh, uh, I'd take it or leave it. Uh, some people would probably appreciate the fact that the boss fights aren't too overly difficult. I think a game like this, you after you've traveled through these lands, uh, you just you kind of expect more, and, and the game really doesn't deliver in the boss part of things. They sure do take some hits, though. <laughs> you got You got to work on that tone. Well, exactly. If you can power yourself up and get your tone up high enough, a lot of them die quickly. And I'm, again, this isn't in the instruction book. I'm pretty sure that that attack and assail power also scales with your attack power. So if yeah, you've gotten so. a really high tone and you get that, you have five, you know, five mind points. You go into a boss room, immediately use attack and assail, and then just stand in the corner where they can't possibly hit you, and you hit them ten times. That will kill almost all of these bosses. Uh, mm-hmm. Last boss included. That's pretty much the only way to kill him effectively is to use attack and assail and do as yes. much damage as you can before you jump in because he's he's really, really hard to dodge and he's the only boss that is in any way really difficult to dodge their attacks. After you beat those bosses, uh, since they aren't worth really going into, there is one of the Endora gods that were captured, uh, and you're supposed to save them, and they give you the magical treasures of Algul. Uh, the treasures are, are how the map opens generally. Some of them do other other si- minor effects, but generally this is how it opens up the map for you. So you get a grappling hook early. You don't have to beat a boss for him. You just have to find another old man who gives you a grappling hook, and that allows you to take in any level where you see there's a platform above you, sometimes if you can assume that there's a platform in the screen above you. So if you're if you're standing on a tower and you can see that the tower continues past the top of the screen, you don't see the top of the tower, you can try to just shoot this grappling hook upwards and you might find something. You can go up there and a lot of the time that's how you find some of the, the more hidden rooms where the old men will also heal you sometimes. So th- there's a lot of... Not hidden places, but places that you need that grappling hook to get to. And without the grappling hook, you cannot get any farther than that hub world and into the other worlds. None of the worlds are completable without that grappling hook. So you have to find that pretty quickly. Uh, Then once you get to the actual bosses and get the actual treasures, you get the wind pulley. Uh, wind oh, pulley okay. allows you to, <laughs> to to take, there are lines that cross in both the top-down worlds and the side-scrolling worlds, and it's just a pulley that lets you ride these lines, you know, without it, you're, it's not possible to do, and it gets you access to new areas. Uh, it I'll, might, I'll tell you this, though, wind pulley took more lives from me for those than those damn bosses did. 
the top down areas where you have to use the wind pulley, you have to hit like a precise pixel on your character or else he just walks off the side of the cliff <laughs> and doesn't pick up the wind oh. pulley. I, I definitely died a few ways to that too. And it's extremely frustrating. Uh, and, uh, but, but still it's nice that you have that, that does get to new area. Uh, you mentioned before you can find some posts as you're walking through some of these levels. Uh, the mm-hmm. crossbow allows you to shoot across a line that you can then use the wind pulley to get across. Once you have the crossbow and the wind pulley, you can more or less get everywhere, but the very last castle. Um, the other items you get that are the treasures are the coat of arms, which took me forever to figure out what it does. But the, again, the instruction book tells you this plainly um once you have the coat of arms there are some of those rooms with the old hermit men where they'll say when you first get to them oh go find the coat of arms when you have the coat of arms you come back they give you medicine the medicine stays in your inventory you can only hold one at a time but it fully replenishes your health so you you know once you get the coat of arms make sure you always have a medicine it, it makes life much easier especially as you get towards the end of the game um, the suit of armor, which is supposed to make you tougher, I have no idea if it actually does anything. I know you need it to finish the game, uh, but it, it didn't seem to make any difference on what people were doing to me. Maybe there no. were attacks that instantly kill you or take a lot more without it in the later levels that I, I didn't notice the difference, but uh, that's there. And then the last uh, of the special treasures is the Flute of Pegasus. Uh, this is the one that I had in my inventory. I got to where the last the, the, the door to the last castle is. And it's very, very self-explanatory. Once you know what you're looking for, and you're like, oh, I can literally see the castle on the screen. You stand in a certain spot, you play the, the flute, and it gives you a special rope that takes you to the castle. And I could not, I didn't remember that it was a usable item. So I just kept like running around, jumping, smashing the jump, smashing the attack button. Oh. Nothing was working. So then I figured, you know, this must not be the right place. Maybe my memory's bad. Maybe this was why I thought it was here and it wasn't. And I ran back around. I ended up leveling up a bunch more and then came back and realized, oh, it's a usable item. Uh, and then I, I blew the whistle and bam, it opens up to the door of the last level and you're good to go there. Uh, yeah, super frustrating that I couldn't figure that one out on my own. But without that, I probably would have finished this game in 90 minutes and not two hours. So Garlaz is the hub world area we talked about. That's the top-down area that connects all the other areas. There are two other top-down areas. There's the Palace of Durago, which is just where one of the bosses is, and that's kind of a a top-down labyrinth level on an island. But then the very last level, Ligar's Fortress, is also a top-down area. It's hands down the hardest area in the game. The enemies there take a lot more damage. They do a lot more damage to you. It's longer than on the other the other areas, and it's actually a maze. The other areas aren't really maze-like. I mean, they, they have a lot of pathways, but it's more of a... Uh, there's path A or path B, and if you pick path B, it's a pretty quick, no, you're wrong, and you go back to path A. Like, there's not a lot mm-hmm. of, of backtracking or fear where you're going the wrong way. This actually has a couple of those that are not just the wrong way, but every room in there, because a lot of them, you'll go into doors, it opens up a new room, it respawns all the enemies in those rooms. The enemies are big, they take up most of the room, they run around fairly fast compared to the other enemies you fought up to that point. They're all these kind of shadow demons, uh, but it, it makes it the, where the very end, I mean, I, had, I probably died five times, and three of those was walking accidentally off a cliff trying to use a pulley, and then by the, the last boss probably killed me another 10 to 15 times, last area of the game because it is so much tougher and when you die you start at the very beginning of it you only have three hearts filled in out of however many you've earned and if you use your potion you also don't have a potion so you have to go back out to the main area wander around get all that stuff filled up again get your get your medicine and then go back and try again for round two um i did not need to do a lot of save states in this in this game to finish it because it does give you unlimited continues and because i have beaten this and played it enough times that i kind of knew generally what to do but mm-hmm. if if this would have been the first, well, I guarantee the first few times I got through this, I did not finish that last castle. I got to it a fair amount of times, but it's kind of like if you have a bad run, well, that was fun. Let's turn it off. 
it's probably faster to start from the beginning than go and re, 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 uh, trace your steps to get powered back up again. I've never been the biggest fan of games that like have this, you know, it, it kind of keeps a, a pretty steady difficulty throughout the game. And then like it just drops this incredibly hard last stage that's just kind of out of nowhere. Bloodstained actually does the same thing. Uh, where like it, you're perfectly fine most of the game, and then suddenly here's a here's a level where you have to uh, grind for ten levels before you can even make it through a section without you know completely dying over and over. And you playing this game again, I can remember why I usually just kind of stop after I get the flute and not deal with this level because compared to the rest of the game, I don't really like this last level. Like it's just it's not the kind of difficulty that I enjoy and it's not mm. something I really want to go back out and and really grind for so that I can get through it because it's not really worth it to get through it besides just saying you beat Rygar. Yeah, and and it's it's another one of those things where I, I just don't think it's earned at this point in time. I, I the game is is tricky to an extent, uh but it, it's not overly difficult and then it's fucking you hit the wall. And and I always hate it. When games do that, and you get to a part that's just incredibly difficult, and and it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it's ramped up to it. Uh, it, it just doesn't feel like it's it's gone from fucking zero to a hundred. Uh, yeah, that's that's another trouble with it. And that last level, and what is otherwise a, a a wonderful game, the last level is it's completely unenjoyable for it. And, and I mean, you're treated to a lackluster ass boss fight. At the end with the final boss, who I, I also don't have much to say about. But uh, no matter how miserable the game is, it sure as fuck sounds good. I, I, I can't let this episode end without mentioning that this is probably fucking top five NES games as far as the music goes. I mean, it's, it's the thing I was most excited about, firing it up and hearing that theme again. And... Uh, uh, did you guys enjoy it also i i assume you did no the, the music is actually something that's that's forever stuck in my head because especially as a kid uh that main theme that first uh theme mm. you hear when you start the game uh that's the one i heard the most because i was at the end the game um so that one that one is just uh yes that is kind of top five memories as far as like nes music that is just i i can hear whenever i just go to sleep most of the side-scrolling areas had great music in this game. Mm -hmm. And most of the top-down areas had terrible music in this game. It's not terrible as much as that, you know, it's it's an early Nintendo game. So a lot of these are very short little clips that repeat over and over again. Mm -hmm. and, and even though, you know, I like the overworld, the, the, the regular theme, like when you first get to the first area, and I like almost all the side-scrolling themes, they're still pretty short. I mean, I think if, I, if each of them's maybe 30 seconds max of a loop, mm -hmm. but the dungeon ones seem like they are a three-second loop of three notes, and it happens <laughs> over and over again. I know it's a little more involved than that, but it's just, it's got a lot of repetition, and they're they're all dirgy, not very good. That said, still stuck in my head. Despite that I, I sat there and, and, you know, frowned when I heard them, I was humming them while I frowned. I, I All those songs in this game are stuck in my head. Um, it, it is... It is a game that, again, without the instruction manual, without the Nintendo Player's Guide, without Game Facts to tell you what to do, I don't know if I would say this is fun. It's definitely an early Metroidvania-style game. They had perfected the formula, and, and Metroid more or less did, but you know you can't just blatantly copy it, or you can, but they didn't. They wanted to do their own thing, and so it's, it's a little clunky. Again, the, the whole uh, way you get spells and get powers is not defined very well, especially without the manual, but even with, it's still a little bit gray on how that all works. 
um, how the world's all connect together, and the fact that there isn't a password. Even if it started you at the very beginning of the game, but you had the items you earned, that would be worlds better than having to sit in front of this for, you know, when you're first learning the game, eight to ten hours to figure out how everything fits together. So it, it, it's, uh, it is not aged incredibly well. That said, it's still a game I like. I have the original cart still. I, I still I'm not going to get rid of it. It's one of those NES games I'll never get rid of. Um, you know, again, I've already proven that I meant to have the best of tastes, but I think it still plays pretty well. It's just to figure out kind of how all these things fit together. There is nothing in game that explains any of this to you. And especially now, you know, playing current games, that's almost unheard of. Yeah, and this is, and, and I have to agree to an extent. Yeah, I mean, this one, it, it's clunky. It, it's very clunky nowadays. And, and the slowdown, especially, God, I can't imagine if you are, are not used to the old NES slowdown. Uh, this is going to be a rude fucking awakening uh, when you start playing this thing. And, and yeah, all those little things I was able to overlook as a kid because it's, it's such, an, uh, such a great game, I thought then, and I still think now. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I have my complaints about it, and I'm I'm talking right now that it's clunky and that it's slow, and and yeah, apparently this is one of those things where you need to have the the manual or the player's guide, or you're just lost forever. And I spent a lot of nights, like I said, you know, playing three four hours, and then eventually just having to cut it off and start over from the beginning the next day, and and just continue on like that. Um, but yeah, it's still uh, still a real solid game, especially for the time, and and I think it's 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 a ton of fun. If you liked it back then, I don't think it's aged to the extent to where you will find it unenjoyable now. Uh, you, you'll notice the flaws of it a lot more, but but there's still a lot of fun to be had with this game. Yeah, this is you know, it's one of those games now that don't go into it without a guide. Mm-hmm. It, just one of those NES games that was of its time. It was a very early NES game, and it doesn't explain anything. And after listening to all this, I don't feel so bad about not knowing what the hell I was doing back when I first started playing it. I just always thought I was like a retarded kid that just didn't get it. But it's not about just not getting it. You just can't. There's nothing there to tell you what you need to do. And you can stumble around for hours and not make any progress in this game besides, you know, grinding levels. So it's, I mean, it's still a really cool game, but I don't know if it's anything that I could really ever recommend to someone if they were wanting one of those NES classics. Uh, Because I, you know, I think it is a classic for me, but, you know, to a lot of people that just maybe want to play it now to see what was so great about the NES games of, of old, I, I, I don't know if I could really recommend this one. I think it's going to be interesting to see if we get more hate mail because we like this game as opposed to not liking other games people love. <laughs> I think this is one that plenty of people were uh, not interested in playing again after trying it the first time. Probably think we're crazy mm. for all kind of liking it, but this might be a real case of, of if you weren't there, you don't get it, and that doesn't mean that you're missing out. It means we probably have some sort of learning disability. Hey, anybody that played this game and didn't enjoy it, Get your tone up. Well, there <laughs> is too. Was uh, I, I, the only other game I had to play at my cousin's was Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. So Ooh. I was uh, more than happy to play through Rygar and not know what the hell I was doing. And I think that was something that just endeared itself to me. Mm. And later on, I, when I had my own NES and could rent games, 
it's something that, you know, I, I wanted to see what I wasn't getting. I wanted to get through it. And with that player's guide, I was finally able to. And yes, that was that was a great experience back then to, to get through that. I don't know so much now. At least getting to the end is a good experience still. Maybe the end may yeah. not be worth playing through. But getting to the to Ligar's Castle and, uh, and you know, in, in a couple hours, probably a good afternoon well spent. So, yeah, that's our thoughts on Rygar, a game that all of us recommend, but don't know if we recommend it to people who weren't playing this when it was new. <laughs> but it's definitely not as bad as a lot of other games have, have been on the NES where they didn't age as well. This one's still, you know, especially for an early, what, what now is a Metroidvania, still pretty interesting. It's just a little bit clunky. Uh, mm-hmm. But great music, still worth listening to uh, and playing through the first area regardless. Instead of listener mail this week, I'd like to talk about Mario Maker 2, which just came out for the Switch this past week. Now, we talked about our thoughts on the original Mario Maker on the Wii U, um, what, back episode 10. was one of our first episodes that didn't follow our own rules uh, of, of what we cover. But we figured, you know, what's, what's more, more retro than a complete Mario 1 through Super Mario make-your-own-level editor? Uh, and that's exactly what it was. So this is the next version of it. It's on the Switch. It, uh, I've only played a little bit of it. My son plays it a lot more than me and likes it a lot. It has a way better single-player component. It has almost like a, a little story mode that it goes through. It tells you, um, kind of teaches you what you can build with the game. It, it cleverly shows you all the new bells and whistles they've added. And, of course, it has some Mario 3D World graphic sets and, and some other neat little twists that the original didn't have. Uh, have. Have either of you spent a lot of time actually making levels on this yet? I, I am in, I'm in the process of making a level, um, and and that makes it sound like it takes a while, but it's just my lack of, of ability to do so. It couldn't be easier, and uh, you know the only main problem was I I sat there. This is embarrassing as shit. I sat there for like five minutes, not knowing how to do anything at all, like moving the cursor around. I'm trying to select things over on the side and up top, and I remember it's a fucking touch screen. And, you know, I just have to tap on it. And that was the way I kicked up, kicked things off with Mario Maker. Just feeling bad with myself for a while there. But, but yeah, I mean, it is just, it's, I mean, I think Jeremy, Jeremy, it needs a stylus. It does. I'm missing that from the Wii U, especially, you know, just dragging and dropping my greasy ass fingers and on the screen. Um but yeah, I, I've haven't made a level. I'm about halfway through making one. Uh, I'd like to make just one good old fashioned just asshole level to put on there. Uh, but I have played through a little bit, and I mean, day one there is no shortage of levels to play in this thing. And hopefully, it has a much longer life than the wii u version did uh but yeah that single player it's so fucking simple there, there's not much to it uh peach's castle gets destroyed by the the i think is it the undo or the erase dog yeah the undo dog which you use to erase parts of your level uh, i was calling him undo dog over and over again because i am an idiot he does his job he erases the whole damn castle and you Pretty much you, you do jobs, and jobs are just playing through levels that may have like a, a specific win condition to it, uh, clear out a certain type of enemy. And yeah, it's its its way of showing you uh, kind of the different things you can do, and you can do some fucking amazing stuff on here. Um, but this, uh, it's, it's a lot more than just a, a, you know, a little 
few more bells and whistles and a, and a coat of paint from the last one. I mean, they have really... I think if it's been done in the other side-scrolling Mario games, you can do it on here. I don't think you are, are limited at all. But yeah, I am still playing through this one hot and heavy. I think next next episode, uh, I'll, I'll probably be talking about this one a little bit more at the beginning. See, I the previous show that we did on Mario Maker, I didn't actually, I hadn't bought it. And I never actually bought that game for Wii U. Uh, so this is all new to me. Uh, I never got to never got to play it, so mm, mm. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm missing out on the original. You, you know, I, I think there was like you guys were describing a thing where you could do like daily levels or something, like ten levels. I don't know that. I, I don't know if that's in here or not because I've just kind of scratched the surface with it. Um, I, I've got my castle sort of built up a little bit, and just really more enjoying going through those story levels because, as someone who's played a lot of Mario, these levels are a lot of things that would never be in a Mario game. So it, it's really fun to see the, you know, the developers doing stuff that you wouldn't actually ever see in an actual Mario game and, and just kind of switching things up a, a good deal. Uh, but otherwise I'm, I'm in the process of making a level uh, currently. It, it's not anywhere near ready because half the time I don't actually know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just kind of experimenting with a bunch of stuff and, and we'll see if, if it ever Come, comes to be if, if I publish it. Otherwise, I'll probably just end up making um, stage 1-1 one, one from the original Mario Brothers and, and calling it a day. I would bet if they took every copy, like everyone's saved memory from the original Mario Maker, everybody made 1-1. One, one. I think it, it's just a rite of passage. You have to do it. It <laughs> proves you know how to build a level because you built one you've played a million times. Uh, and then you can do a little tweak with it. Like, yeah, it's just like 1-1, one, one, except that, you know, this has a, a nice flower in it. Like, But we <laughs> can still do it and you get excited about it. Uh, I, I'd say you miss nothing from not having the original um, original Mario Maker. That thing we talked about where you get to go through 10 levels, they, they got rid of that. And in this case, instead, you can do unlimited. Like, there's an unlimited run where you can just keep playing people's courses until you run out of lives. Like, th- there's, there's plenty of ways to see everyone else's um, levels they've built. So far, I haven't had a lot of a lot of bad luck with them. I mean, you know, you're always going to run through some that are just super simple and some that are giant asshole levels that are made to make sure you know how to carry a shell and throw it at one certain wall and then you bounce off that shell and you jump on the top and, and like, I suck at those levels. Anyone, Anything that's that there's not multiple ways to get through it, I'm probably going to lose. But I've seen some really innovative levels already. I, I really like the, the interface and I can't imagine it's not going to last longer than the Wii U because the Switch has so many more people currently using it that this is the kind of thing that, that that really would sell a system like this. And, and I mm-hmm. think the Wii U already mm-hmm. was kind of on its way out when it got Mario Maker. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about it next week. Um, but but so far, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to putting some more time on it. This reminds me a lot of like what I love most about Little Big Planet. Not so much going in and finding really well-made levels, but just some of the stuff that people come up with. They're so well-made and just things that you would never expect to see in a Mario game. And, and those are the things that I, I really enjoy seeing. Uh, those levels you were talking about, the asshole levels. I know there's a whole like YouTube thing for, for people that do that and, and people love watching that. But I do not like playing that shit at all. It is just maddening. That's not Mario to me. I would just rather see people do dumb shit with the characters and things like that. Uh, there's a fucking there's a course that plays the damn country country road song, that fucking West <laughs> that West Virginia fucking theme. And I sat there on my couch and it was fucking like eleven o'clock at night, and I'm sitting there in fucking tears from laughing at this fucking level. So I I just and I mean this is the first couple nights of things out, so I have the highest of hopes for this game. 
Well, I have the highest hopes for our next episode, which is going to be on another, uh, this one's probably less arguable classic game, uh, this time for the Sega Genesis. So in two weeks, check back in to see what we're covering and see what we thought of it. Uh, until then, please make sure to find us on Retrovania.net. There's links there to all our social media, all our links to our YouTube channel, has our videos, and I believe there's a link to our Patreon, but if not, there's links to our Patreon everywhere. We just had our first monthly drawing. I uh, gave that a word out to K. One of, our, uh, one of our patrons. So thank you for being a patron and, and enjoy your prize. And if you're interested in, in getting in the monthly drawing or getting our free bonus episodes, please check out our Patreon. But otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode about a classic Genesis game. And we'll see you then. <laughs>